Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 76th edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. We're going back into the, well, late 90s, early 2000s. We're interviewing a winger today. One appearance for the Wolves, no goals, uh, but there is a story behind it. One appearance, no goals. Shane Tudor, born in Wolverhampton. Uh, Shane, lovely to have you on. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, Jace. It's an absolute pleasure uh, to come on and speak to you. Yes, well, listen, Shane. Obviously, I know you're a regular for the Wolves All Stars, and you are one. Uh, you are one I've wanted on for a while, and and particularly because um, I think what's important is Shane uh, with yourself. You was born in Wolverhampton. Um, you obviously come through the academy, so I really want to start it off. Uh, you know, where was you born? Um, whereabouts in Wolverhampton you're from? Are you a Wolves fan? And uh, your journey through the academy? Yeah, I was born in. Bilston, always known as probably the Bronx now, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, in that little fishing village. Pardon? That little fishing village. <laughs> yeah, that little one, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we was uh, we grew up there, uh, obviously single parent family, so we had uh, very little money yeah. uh, growing up, but, you know, sometimes that helps mould your character yes. uh, in later on in life. Wolves fan, went to watch your mum in a way. Uh, and then obviously stayed with Unfra, I think around about seven, eight years old, right the way through up until 16, where uh, a few big clubs came in. And obviously for living in a council house, uh, single-parent family, you know, my me, mum me got offered, I think it was, you know, in a, around about £75,000 uh, at the time from uh, Arsenal, Blackburn, uh, Aston Villa, uh, one or two others. So it was a, yeah. it was a big decision at that time. Uh, but in the end, you know, my mum left it down to me, and uh, I decided to uh, to stay at Wolves and you know stay with the club which I'd supported uh, right throughout my life, really. So, from your point of view, obviously you're a young player. I mean, at what age was you when Arsenal and Blackburn were sort of touting this sort of money around? I knew at fourteen, fifteen that uh, they were interested. Obviously, Rob Kelly had left. Uh, Wolves previously and he'd gone on to be at Blackburn Rovers with a Bobby Downs Yes. Uh, so I knew they were very keen uh, spoke to them several times Arsenal uh, were majorly interested and he come to the crunch then before I signed my forms I remember Chris Evans Chris Turner coming out yep. and it was almost like there was a regularly in my house you know to get these forms signed but you're talking probably now half a million Plus, you know, going back, moving on 20 years. That sort so, of money, yeah. For someone who, I had a great deal of money as a family growing up. It was it was big money, but, you know, I'd been home and away with my brother. You know, he'd love Wolves. And that was a dream of mine to uh, to go on and uh, to obviously play for Wolves. Uh, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? So, obviously, born in Wolverhampton, yes. Arsenal, massive club. Back then, Blackburn, once again, a massive club. Um, yeah. Uh, but but then you get a chance at Wolves, and you know if you're watching them home and away. So what was your era? Who was sort of playing when you was on the terraces? Uh, it's basically bully up top. We had yeah. Uh, you look back on certain Neil Emblem when he made his debut, and you're thinking Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare but went on to be a fantastic <laughs> player. The Steve Froggett's on the one side. Tony Daly, you always wanted him to be fit, but obviously he had 
a lot of injuries. Jeff Thomas, you yes. know, I remember speaking to a few times, but unbelievable players when you know came. Uh, the likes of the Brian Laws and John DeWolf hero, you know, the long throw and absolute warlord going in and adding everything. Uh, Andy Thompson with his penalties, either feet. Yeah. Foot, you know, and Sterling in goal. You, you can carry on and going so, through. I mean, and, you know, they, they had some great teams. And I remember going to Bolton, uh, losing the playoffs, bloody nearly in tears and all the rest of it. But some great teams moving forward. Just needed a bit of luck. And I think you look back, uh, Jace, injuries at key times, wasn't it? it was Jeff Thomas that went up that season, if he didn't get injured then. Massively, and, and injuries to John DeWolfson. And we'd sign these players. Yeah. So for you, you're almost watching the players that you revere. And obviously, when yeah. you go through the academy, the dream is to any young player, if there's a young player at Wolves now who's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, the dream is to make it to the first team. And, you know, that did happen for you on the... We're going to talk about that in a minute. On the 23rd of December 2000, yeah. um, you made your you one and only appearance for Wolves, but you had been in the squad uh, before that, hadn't you, Shane? It almost happened overnight for me. I guess I went in pre-season uh, at 16 went away uh, almost with a second first team squad scored away at uh, it's Bridge North or, I can't remember the exact location yeah uh, Worcester City somewhere like that yeah probably man the match then and then suddenly uh, Mickey Men, I think he was the reserve manager yeah pulled me in we had Mixer past the line and uh, yeah. up front and one or two others in the reserves team so I went straight in played the reserves come on hit the ground running Played a few more games. I was playing centre midfield with Fergie, Dan Ferguson. Uh, played away at uh, Grimsby, scored a couple of goals, and then I was in the first team squad from then on. Uh, you know, I'll tell you about the first time I ever travelled away. Yeah. Luckily for me, or unlucky for me, but for everybody else's amusement, I was sharing a room with Steve Sedgley. <laughs> uh, Bad luck. So, anybody that knows Steve Sedgley, Gaza's best mate, as a lot of people would know, but yeah. I never slept, not five minutes that night. I was made aware, but I was, I was aware fully, Jason, before we even travelled away, that you ain't going to sleep. Because he said, I'm going to do all sorts to you that night. If you go to sleep for two minutes, you you will not want to oh uh, see God. what happens here. So, well, everybody's winding me up at dinner that night. I didn't. By the way, I didn't sleep two minutes. But Steve Sedgley was probably one of the most interesting people you'll ever see in life. And, uh, probably most days of my life, I probably look back and I have a smile on my face for some of the things he could do. You know, I'm talking a guy who could fart any any tune you say, you could fart it, and you'd have a new guy coming into the changing room, and he'd just come out this chair and he'd start farting tunes. They'd look at him and in amusement. He could sit on a couch and suck up wine gums and shoot him out his backside. I'm talking literally the full length of the couch and he would do it in it. Harvard Flo would always sit down the corner, you know, on the back of the bus and he would do it and hit him on the back of the head of it. Just, you know, stories that Steve Sedgley, you know, he could go on and on, but an absolute character, you know, he'd be standing outside with the manager, he'd be talking to him and suddenly you'd see a, a little river running between him and the gaffer. Everybody else oh. would be in amusement and he'd just be uh, standing there next to him. But, Unbelievable for team spirit, but yeah, one player you don't want to be sharing a room with. I mean, Matt Murray, I remember Matt Murray telling me a story and he said he was only a young lad and they'd literally gaffer-taped him to this... Um, they'd gaffer-taped him before one of the games to this like bench and they literally brought him out on the pitch, gaffer-taped to this bench, he couldn't move and they put him in the centre circle. And it was... Listen, things like that are fantastic. This was normal then, though, Jace. We used to do that with JJ Milligan. He went home because he, was, he felt uncomfortable for six months. And we put him in the skip and left him there. And Chris Turner would come out and he would say, you need to toughen up. 
you know, you clean your boots. Yeah. First team players would grab all the next to be done, but now it's, you know, I'm not saying that maybe people went too far. They probably did when you look at it, but also there was a toughness, you know. And you know, my business now it's, it's a school. You know, we have 16, but four or five of those have gone through and done teaching qualifications and played football. Some of them internationally, but yes. the toughness and the mentality of you know of playing football stands you uh, in life in, in many different ways. It, it, I, I always say that it, football is an industry like no other. For example, yeah, you know, Jason. listen, I've got a business, and if I went into that business and chucked one of my shoes across the office and it hit him on the head, I'd be in court tomorrow. But all of a sudden, yeah. It, yeah. you know, in football, it seems to be, you know, if, if you take your boots off and chuck them across the room and it hits a teammate or the manager does the same with a teacup, it's almost like it's it's an untouchable industry and it's almost not acceptable, but it does get accepted. And Yeah, just you think there's no other, there's no other industry where every man and his dog can go to it a place, a stadium, yeah. abuse a player and get away with it for 90 minutes because he's had a bad day with his wife. Wow. It's unheard of. I played at Millwall, was playing at home. The lads come in. It's after seven seconds of the game, smash me up in the air, red card. The referee's told me to stay on the floor because he knows where he's there. We're playing against Millwall. I got abused for Tudor Tudor, Yuri James. Yeah. Blunt. Yeah. For the rest of the game. Uh, Darren Barfield comes in. Does mean breaks his ankle. So again, Millwall fans are oh, okay. We then play at Millwall. We three 0 up in the first nine minutes. We go on to win the game five two. I come off for the last ten minutes of the game. I'm sitting in the dugout. I've got people trying to bend round to the dugout and actually punch me. All the rest of it. I then walk in the change room. Say, please come in to try and arrest me for inciting crowd. Uh, oh my word! Uh, being provocative. You know, it was Barry Earn and I think it was Eddie at the time. They go and actually sit with the police and actually have to get me off, uh, going to the police station uh, at the New Den. For, for me, inciting the crowd, which is ridiculous when you look back, Jace. Jesus Christ. I, I, I think, listen, I've been to football matches before and passion has overtook me and we've been playing West Brom and, you know, you, you, you've you give someone a bit of grief or you've get and, and realistically... <laughs> You know, it isn't acceptable, and I've, as I've got older and matured, especially, I, I've realised that you know that's not the way to conduct yourself. But the problem is with football, like you said, there's rivalry. There's you know, and it's so easy to, or you know, for someone just to lose complete control because it's all based on passion, and and it's a sad thing, really, especially when, as you know, Shane, you know, your career ended early through injury, so you you was a young player throughout your career, and and to be levelled with that sort of abuse, it can be. It can be difficult for a young man, can't it? It, it can. It's you know, there's a lot of experiences what you go through in in life, Jace. Injuries, you know, people can't understand. You know, you come back and the depression, what you suffer. Yes. You know, I look at Matt Murray. You mentioned earlier two cruciates, a long period of time out. The mentality you need to come back psychologically. I was playing at Cambridge again, just about to move. Big bids coming in, you know, from big teams in the Premier League. Arsenal again, snap my hamstring. You know, uh, hernias. Uh, cracks in, you know, stress fractures in my back, all in one go, stretched off the pitch and just about to move. And coming back after it, nowhere near the player that I was. But yes. you have that arrogance, believing you are. You're going out on the pitch and your fans, are, your own fans are booing, booing you, never mind other fans. Yeah. You know, 21 years age, you know, it's. People don't understand, I guess, Jace, you know, yeah. what what dark places you go to sometimes. Of, of course. And, 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 like I say, the mentality you then have been later on in life. And, and, you know, it's... 
the responsibility almost that's that's put on your shoulders now before you made your debut yeah. in 2000 i believe you was in the squad a few times wasn't you there's was one particular game where you was actually waiting on the sidelines to come on but the ball wouldn't go out of play yeah I, I, looking back i actually uh, i think it might have been even grimsby at time yeah uh, the ball it's i'm talking several minutes here jace you know and as he gets in a you know, a young lad coming through, we're on massive money. I'm on great appearance money. I'm looking on the side of the pitch waiting for Ozzy. Ozzy, kick the ball out, will you? Yeah. I think it was three to four minutes. The ball never went out of play, Jason. Honest to God, the all, all the youth team, all the walk in, everybody's laughing their heads off. They've never seen anything like it. Ozzy comes up to me, huh? Oh, didn't realise he was waiting to come on, mate. I said, I've been standing on the side of the pitch, Ozzy, for nearly four or five minutes. And you, any chance you're kicking a ball out? Cost me an absolute fortune. Looking back then, it weren't about money, but yes. when you've had none, Jase, it was it was big money for me. Then in comparison to some of the other players who, you know, didn't even want to be on the pitch then or in the squad. Yeah. And and listen, that's the thing. As a young man coming through, it's your team, Wolverhampton Wanderers. You've supported them growing up. You, you, listen, you want to prove a point. You want to get on that pitch more than anyone and 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 effectively live your dream. But to yeah. some players. It's not, you know, it's not their dream, is it anymore? They can be getting on in their later years in their career. No, they can it, be stepping down. There's, there's some players who don't want to be there. Yeah, we had Rob Taylor, fantastic player, two two footed. Yeah, uh, and I got on really well with him. He's probably one of the players I got on better than most. But hated football, hated football with a passion. Uh, I, I couldn't get my head around that. as a young age. All he wanted to do after playing football for 10, 11 hours every every night as a kid growing up hated yeah. football and that was that was strange for me and I, you know mentally I couldn't get my head around that at 16, 17 you know 18 years old and then we had Kid Spire who was an absolute enigma yeah. you know he could ping a ball he could do whatever he wanted with a ball but he was unmanageable yeah. you know Colin Lee was the manager at the time and we would be having meetings upstairs we'd be in the, the suite uh, in the Billy Wright stand and we'd be sit, sitting there you know we'd uh, in the middle of the meeting, Jace, he'd get up and start making himself a cup of tea, but it wouldn't just be get up and start making a tea. It'd start, you know, ringing the bell almost on his actual cup. Yeah. Tea boys, tea boys. In the middle of the meeting with Connolly, you know, the players would be cracking up and, you know, it'd be like one of the moments when you're at school where you, you can't laugh, you yeah. can't laugh, and all of a sudden everything comes out. And you're just sitting there thinking, Jesus. Uh, you know, we'd go to the gaffer. Gaffer, I don't want to be on the bench this week. Don't put me on the bench. You know, put Shane on the bench. He deserves to be on the bench. I don't want to be on the bench. And nine times out of ten, Gaffer would come to me and say, Shane's got to be on the bench because we need to sell him. We need to show his feet, he's healthy. Uh, I know he doesn't want to play, but he's, you know, he needs to he needs to be seen from uh, higher up that he's, he's, he's fit and yeah. we can actually move him on. And, you know, we'd be there, oh, I'm on the bench, Shane. Uh, the odd occasion, he'd be left out and say, Shane, you're on the bench. Look what I'll do for you. Uh, all the rest of it. He'd come in on a Monday morning. Shane, look, I treat myself this weekend. They left me out. I bought myself a new watch, only 10000 this week. Uh, but, you know, what an absolute footballer. Oh. Even foot, brilliant. And you, I look back sometimes, Jason, like, do I blame the player, do I blame the manager? It's a bit of both sometimes, isn't it? Because I think you can man manage players and get the best out of them sometimes. Yeah, I think with Ketspire, he'd come from Newcastle with a reputation that... Yeah. He, he, he was his own man and, and he brought that to Wolves. Yeah. And, and to be fair, with a manager like Ketspire, with the greatest respect, I've interviewed Colin Lee and he's a lovely man. Um, you yeah. need a real taskmaster to, to, to get the best out of them players, but sometimes it actually works the other way. But the other player you mentioned, Robert yeah. Taylor, um, he's actually a roofer now, so he might be living his dream. But yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I still see Rob. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, like you say, he's living his dream. Well, hated football, and that's the first thing because, uh, to be honest, he probably lost a lot of love for football because at Man City he had a great goal scoring record. He come to Wolves, yeah. and like you said, there was no doubt he was a talented, scored goals at Gillingham, Man City. Come to Wolves, yeah. and it just wasn't the right move for him, uh, yeah. and he had a, a real nightmare. He, you know, he, he, that's... Financially, it was fantastic for him. Of course. He finished his career financially. But in terms of football, in terms of love for, for running around a football pitch and emotions, non-existent yeah. for him. And, 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 and that's the thing. You do need passion. Now, on the subject of passion, your big chance did come. 23rd of December, 2000. Yeah. Sheffield Wednesday away at Hillsborough. You was an 82nd-minute substitute for Darren Baisley. No doubt the most... Uh, memorable eight minutes of your life. It was John Ward, I believe, that gave you your debut. What What is it like, Shane, after years in the academy, growing up in the club you love, the club you support, to come off the bench and just to get that shirt on your back and just to play in front of that loyal following? What's it like? No one can ever take it away from you, Jace, can they? No. You know, I look back and I think I'm massively underachieved as a footballer. Jace, I've had plenty of people come and tell me you should have done this, you should have done that. At Wolves, I was in the squad, you know, fantastic players. Jolene Lescott, what an unbelievable career he had. Yeah. You know, unbelievable. But, you know, I was playing with him and it's probably on a level pegging at that time. Yeah. Never really, sometimes in life you need that little bit of luck, Jace, don't you? Need 100%. To you need just to get in and get a few games. Uh, it never really happened for myself there. You know, if I currently would have stayed there, I would have gone on and played quite a few more games you know I had a great relationship with Colin he looked after me well you know and, and I would have played games you know it just so happens that I got my eight minutes I loved every minute of it no one can ever take it away from me uh, it's something you'd, you dreamed of growing up you know all I wanted to do was go in and I remember the first few months I went in trained with Bully Jesus playing with Bully after going and watching him all that time but also I learned Jace that once you're in Wolves and you've trained with Bully you never ever get injured because Steve Ball was an absolute animal. And here's a story for you. Yeah. So even if a player had an injury, they wouldn't actually go and see a physio because they'd have to go and do the uh, morning and spend it with Bully. And Bully was probably the fittest man, strongest man you'll ever see yeah. uh, that's played football. He's one-arm pull-ups. But he, he would also say, you're with me today. He'd have this habit of pinching you around the neck. Oh, and once he and pinched you around the neck for 10, 15 seconds, that feeling in your neck probably never come back for a week, Jason. Because <laughs> his grip is like a vice, isn't it? Uh, it's ridiculous but I, I remember going down down onto the bottom pitches and training I used to run around and I was like I remember Bimby as I later got to call him Bimby but it was Steve Carica I'm running around the football pitch Steve Carica Steve Carica as a kid you're growing up and that's, you're on the terraces Jason suddenly you're in with him yeah. and, and you're playing next to him and you, you're thinking what do I call him here Bully was easy because he's Bully that's the ball Bimby he was later on but I'm, I'm calling people by the four names here Neil Emblem Neil Emblem <laughs> you know how do you feel Walking off the picking pink, what an absolute dick I must send yeah. Everybody else is calling Bimby, and I'm calling Steve Carica. Oh, and, and, and like I said, that you're on the pitch that that eight minutes. Um, it, it perversely, and I, I said this to Joe Jackson. There's several players who've only made one. Say only there's several players who've lived the dream and made an appearance for yeah. Wolves. And there's a couple yourself, uh, Joe Jackson, obviously Wolverhampton-born like you. Uh, Kevin Chapman, I believe, made one appearance for Wolves. But sometimes um, I tend to think that, you know what, perversely, uh, you know, if 
yes, you want to make as many appearances as you... You want to make 500 appearances for the club. But in one way, it's quite special, the fact that, you know what? You, you're quite right. No one can take that away from you ever. You've lived the dream. You've played for Wolves. And, and once again, it, you know, that's something that no one can ever take away from you. No, you're perfectly right, Jase. The only thing is, you look back later on in your life, and every footballer will tell you, we sit around probably, whether it be every day, but many times a week, Jason, you look back in your career and think, Jesus Christ, I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have played 50 games for Wolves, I should have had a lot yeah. of appearances, you know, I was much better than a lot of players that played. I had four years left on my, on my contract, so Colin Lee got sacked. I was in negotiations to sign a new four or five year deal, you know, with, with Wolves. That was all agreed with Terry Connor, Colin Lee, you know, and Dave Jones come in and said, you know, having it, you know, for a I thought I'd earned it at the time because there's players on a lot more than me. I've been with the first team every 95% of the time from the age of 16, the first month I went in. Yeah. You know, I deserve that contract, but I look back and I sit there, and wherever you might be, you might be lying on the beach somewhere, Jace, you know. It'd be nice to do that again. <laughs> but, yeah. And you, you might wonder back to days when I'm at Wolves, days when I was at Lake Norrington and all the rest of anything. Jesus, you'd do anything to go back to there. And mentally, it's tough. And it, and yes, you know, people talk about all talk about footballers now with mental health. You know, we, we all got back and we have our little things where you sit there and you have your little dream moments and you're like, back yes. and think, Jesus, it's sad really that I've massively underachieved. And, and I think, look, with the greatest respect to football, when you make your professional debut, all of a sudden you are on the crest of this wave and no one yeah. can forgive a young man to feel that he's going to have a... 20-year career in the game and that, that career is never going to end and you're going to score 100 goals and blah de blah and, you know, maybe play for your country. And that is the dream of every young player, by the way. No one goes into it and thinks, do you know what? I'm going to make a living as a lower league journeyman in League 2 or, you know, they always go into it with, with those dreams and aspirations. But sometimes, Shane, you know, things overtake. You had to retire in in in, yeah. in in twenty six of an injury. Now I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie to you, right? At twenty six, I couldn't even tie my shoelaces, right? I didn't, you know. Yeah. And and at, and at twenty six, all of a sudden, your dream, your career, your everything that you've worked towards your whole life is gone. And I know it was a knee injury, but how how difficult? I mean, we'll talk about your career in a minute, but how difficult is that to take at, at, at twenty six years of age? I guess for mine was over. A, if, if you ask the same question to Matt Murray, uh, Jason, I think it was over a period of time. So we almost it become accustomed to yeah. not being fit, not being healthy, and almost fearing that look, I might not be able to play football here again. Yes. So it happens over a, a period of time. So you become it gives you time to prepare. If that if you, you can't ever prepare, Jason, but it gives you that time to prepare. Does that make sense? Over yes. Yeah. A yeah. couple of years period. It does. Several operations, you know, my, my knee's like a road map. Uh, and by the time it got to the point where I'd try and I'd try and I'd give everything, and I'd give everything, I'd, you know, my body was, I pushed it to the limits almost. Yes. And it just it just wasn't there to play football. I had the best surge, surgeon in the world at, at the time, uh, and still we couldn't get there. So I'd give everything, and I was ready to call it a day, Jess, you know, because mentally I was trained. There was nothing left in me to give yes. to get me back on a football pitch because I'd walk in the dressing room and people would be there, oh, you injured again, you injured again. People who couldn't even kick a football. Yeah. You know, I remember signing players from non-league and so on and coming in and giving me abuse, and I'm thinking, even with one leg, get me out on there and I'm going past you. You know, and, and that's what you're thinking in your head, and you go through a roller coaster mentally, but at the other end of it, I learned in life, Jace, that, Really, 
world owes you nothing, life owes you nothing, and, wow. and you can either feel sorry for yourself or you get yourself back out there and you make something of yourself and, you know, go and do something different because you're lucky to play for 10 years. Yeah. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and get out there and, you know, do something else. So how old was you when you made your debut for Wolves on against Sheffield Wednesday? I think I was 17, 17, 18, uh, Sheffield Wednesday. I should have, like you said, I was with the first team every week from 16, you know, Bit of luck, I'd have made it a lot earlier. I was on the side of the pitch six months before it. Just just needed that bit of luck at times. But yeah. You say a few players to get injured, but let's face it, Jess, we're all, uh, we all want to play. I've, I've turned down half a million quid on paper here to, to stay with Wolves. But yes. I've had nothing in my life to get out on that pitch and play football. All I want to do is play football and whatever happens, happens. I wanted to be on that pitch. So when players turn around and say, oh, I'm happy for this place. We're all happy. We're a team. We love each other. But yeah. I also want to be on that pitch and playing. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you need somebody to get injured or you need a bit of luck just to get you your chance. I mean, listen, what the way the way to look at this is, um, or the way you can look at it, you retired at 26. You actually made over 200, well over 200 league appearances in your career. You know, you had another six yeah. years on to that, say you're retiring at 32. The reality is you could have been, um, you could have had four, 500 games in your career. And I think yeah. that's, that's the frustrating thing that, yeah. you know, did you reach your full potential? Look, there's a lot of players out there. I remember uh, somebody interviewed Stan Collymore and said, oh, you, you wasted your career. And he said, well, yeah. I played for Liverpool, I played for Villa, yeah. I played for whoever and played for England. So was it really a waste? And no, it wasn't. But it, I can see the frustration when yeah. you're in a championship club like Wolves, you know, big crowds, big stadium, always on the verge of playing in the Premier League and, and getting promoted. And, and, and the next thing... It, it can be a slippery slope down, can't it? And it, and it, and it comes almost quickly. And really, should should Shane, you know, I'll be honest with you now, Shane, should you have been playing most of your career in, and, and listen, which is still an amazing level, uh, League One and League Two, but or, or if Shane Tudor didn't have his injuries, do you think you could have really kicked on? Yeah, like I said, I went to, uh, I had a four-year deal. Dave Jones come in, it was made clear really that he wanted experience and all the rest of it. And I've been yes. I've been with the first team, Jess, for over two years. Yeah. Week in, week out, warming up on the bench. I wanted to play games. Yes. So I made the decision then, you know, he weren't going to give me a new contract. I was going to have to wait probably another six months. Yeah. I had two years left on my deal already. I said to him, I don't want no money. You can forget that. Just let me go and play games. I went to Cambridge. Uh, I didn't even take a penny when I left. You know, it was a little bit of money owed to my mum. I think she got that. But I never took a penny ripped up my contract, went to Cambridge, started off, played, I think it was 56 games in a row, something like that, Jase. Yeah. You know, just about to get an unbelievable move again. I did. I think it was 11 goals from outside the box, Jase, before Christmas. It was a ridiculous amount because uh, in League I'm, One. Sorry to interrupt. 19 years old. Sorry to interrupt, you know, was, but at, at Cambridge, I, I believe you scored 21 goals in 121 league appearances. Now, yeah. that's that, listen, that's a good record for a forward, let, you know, let alone playing out wide. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like you say, I did, I did shot of the week on Soccer AM, I think it was three out of five weeks. Yeah. My goals was outside of the box. It was, you know, it was, I was loving life, Jace, to be honest. I felt like it couldn't get any better, you know. And yes. I went, we played, it was rushed in the diamonds away. I never forget it. They just scored. I picked up the ball from the centre, went on my arm past seven players, one on one with the keeper, just about to slide it in. My top was going to come off like it did, and I was going to leave the stadium and run off and never play football again if the goal was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that good, Jack. That, it doesn't get any just better than that. My foot planted it down to put it in the bottom corner, and my hamstring just went. And I, 
at that time, I was five yards quicker than anybody else. Yeah. I was leaving people for dead. And I knew that moment then, I was in agony. The tears was there. My back went, my groins were everything. And it took me then to get back playing football properly. Uh, I came back and we played at the Millennium Stadium in the final. I remember coming back and Paul Simpson was the manager of Rochdale. Yeah. I ate another one from outside of the box, which was, uh, I think it was, again, you know, the soccer AMs, already shot of the week. Yeah. But, I walked off the pitch because my hamstring had gone. Everybody thought I'd walked off the pitch. From, I scored a worldie from 25 yards. Everybody thought I'd walked off the pitch with arrogance, thinking it was that good of a goal, and I'm, that's it, I'm off. And it was your hamstring. But my hamstring had gone again, and man, the manager's trying to shove me back on the pitch, get back on. It was Yeah, it was a good goal, too, but it weren't that good. Get back on. <laughs> and uh, my hamstring had gone, and like you say, I was out for, I think it was about six or seven months after that. I came back, and mentally, my body was nowhere near fit. I couldn't even touch my knees. Get back to playing football was it was tough, Jase, to be honest. At 20 years old, with every big club wanting you and scoring all these goals, and you was the next best thing yeah. to be bought, and so on and so on. It was your own fans then started questioning you whether you can even play football, never mind move on for all of this big money. It was it, it, it was tough, to be honest. And that's the thing when you've got that uh, pedigree, if you like, or you've got you've you've you know you've got all that potential and. You know, you, you held as the next big thing. Because, listen, every player that comes through the academy at Wolves, yeah. Wolves fans are expectant. And, you know, we've we've produced some great players. Yourself, Robbie Keane, um, Lee Naylor, Matt Murray. Um, yeah. You know, we've, we, we, we've had it. Les Scott and so on. The, the, oh. I never was a good player, Jess, but these were good players. They had good careers, do you know what I mean? The unbelievable players coming through. Oh, but but you know, once again, it's 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 the flip of a coin. You know, if, if you make all of a sudden ten appearances in the first team at Wolves, score a couple of goals, yeah. play with confidence, you can then get a move very easily. Yeah. And then yeah. sometimes yeah. some players get the rub of the green, and and and, and clearly yeah. some players don't. But Wolves have, have have been great. But the expectation on you as a young player when you tipped, you know, I know Adam Proudlock. You know, it was very difficult yeah. for him. He was a great player. Adam was a great goal scorer. Um, and you know you could tell he, he, he was sort of feeling the pressure. And was that the same with yourself? Because yes, physically it no. takes its toll. But what about mentally? I was Jess. I'll be honest with you. I never felt the pressure at all. All my friends. I remember being on the on the bench uh, the first time. I think I was sixteen or seventeen. I went and got the newspaper and walked into school. You know, I went and sat with my friends in the the common room. And boys, I might be on the bench tomorrow. I was all sitting there. Went on the, the next day and I was I was on the bench. It was brilliant, you know. Oh my god! Yeah, and you, you literally. Not, not at all. I, I didn't know. Sorry, Shane, to interrupt. I didn't know this. So, what school did you go to? St Thomas More. Uh, St Thomas More, will you know? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So you was at St Thomas More, and you literally then then you could be on the bench walls, and you're going back to school. Yeah, I, I, I walked past the billboard to the uh, bench tomorrow. Whatever the billboard said, I can't yeah. remember now, Jay. I picked up the paper. Used to get the the tram or the bus into Wolverhampton, caught it to school. Yeah. And when I met all my friends and said, I'm on a bench tomorrow, boys, well, I hope I am, because it's on every billboard. The guy friend told me, he said I'm in the squad, I went in, I was on the bench. It was, you know, it's all my friends growing up was all Wolves fans and all the rest of it, and it was brilliant. You know, we're still close, we still uh, see each other uh, in normal times and go out. Uh, and have a few drinks and uh, and so on. There's probably 20 or 30 of us, and that's how we grew up in school. But you know, it's brilliant to go back to school and see all my friends. Oh say, my god! Events tomorrow, boys. Flipping heck! But I tell you what, listen. I always say, I, I still say this on the podcast. I'm 43 now, and I still think I'm going to play for Wolves. And the thing is, 
If I mean, at 16, literally, I joked about not tying my shoe. Like 16, I didn't know what day it was. And yeah. I couldn't even imagine going into school and saying, I'm on the bench for Wolves. I was flipping nine stone ringing wet. I've made up for it since. And I just can't believe... I mean, at school, Shane, um, was you probably the best in your year at football? Yeah, well, we had a great team, Jess, to be honest. We had, uh, I think it was five county players. And bear in mind, Charlie and Lescott was in my county, Gary McSheffery, Ian Abbott. You know, the list goes on. Yes. You know, but we had five out of my school year playing in that county team. So we used to win everything at school. We had another we had another lad who was on a box of Wolves and he went to Leeds in my year group. And then another lad who went and signed for Leicester. Yeah, so we had three players go on to be apprentices at football league clubs Yes. in, in one year. You know, but, and we went on then to play the uh, football team as the cricket team. We went and won the, the county cup at, at cricket with the football team. You know, I remember us turning up and me having one bat between the old team. We played a private school and all of them turning up with the two or three bats each and yeah. white uniform. We had borrowed whites and all the rest of them. Beat them in the final. I walked off laughing, but you know, these are the times you look back on with a smile on your face and. Uh, gives you great memories. Oh, absolutely. And I take it, um, you, your mum and brother must have been immensely proud. I take it they're Wolves fans as well. Yeah, my brother's a massive uh, Wolves fan. He's still season ticket now, my brother. I still go, but he's been a season ticket right the way through. But as a story, Jax, I was due to break the, the record for the district. Right. Uh, the press was all coming down. There was on the buzz live, all the rest of it. And I had a predicament. Wolves was playing West Brom at home. And yeah. the only way I could get my tickets for Wolves versus West Brom was if I went to the counter and actually got them. It was a guy called Chico. I don't know if you ever remember Chico back in the day. No. Yeah, this big booth on air. It looked like a big Italian summer out of the uh, Super Mario Bros. That was the only way I could get my tickets. So I had a predicament. My brother was begging me, Shane, you can't go and play the game tomorrow. So yeah. I'm going to break the record. I'm on TV. I've never been on TV. You know, I'm going to break the record. I'm going to be... The press are all there, all the rest of it, live on the couch at the game. All the, Shane, I'm begging you, please, just phone in sick and come and get me the tickets for Wolves versus West Brom. So, in the end, I stayed up all night, my brother's saying, begging me all the rest of it, bloody in tears. So, I actually rang in and said, look, I can't make the game that day. Oh. I went to watch Wolves versus West Brom so my brother could go to the game. Oh, that, I mean, that is commitment. Please tell me that we won. I think we did 2 0 the time as it goes, but you that's... know, I've never forgot it. My bro- I've never let my brother forget it because the only way I could get to Compton to play my games on the Sunday after that was my brother who just passed his test driving me on the Sunday. Uh, so I used to say to him, Look, I've got you Westbrook, you need to get me get my ass to the game on a Sunday morning. So we'd just come back from a night out yeah. past two, three o'clock, woke me up because we used to share a bedroom. I used to get him up at seven o'clock and say, Come on, you're all right. You you ain't over the limit now. Get me to get me to the game. Yeah, it's your turn now. And later in your career, Shane, uh, Leighton Orient, uh, obviously at the time, I believe it was owned by Barry Hearn and his son, who's Barry now Hearn, more yeah. famous for his boxing promoting, Eddie Hearn. Yeah, like I say, Barry and Eddie gone fantastically well with lovely people. Uh, I remember going to Barry's house and almost on my own, drove up, tried to find the ground. I pulled over, spoke to three people. No one spoke English. Yeah. So I was driving around for about an hour, couldn't find a ground. Back then, there was no sat-navs in your cars and all the rest of it, Jace. It was difficult. Yeah. I'm driving around thinking, what the hell am I doing here? You know, I can't, I can't even ask anybody to even get to the ground. So in the end, I find it. Uh, then they sent me to Barry's house. I'm driving to Brentwood, trying to find Barry's house. He's got the biggest house in Brentwood. It's huge. I bet. Uh, 
find Barry's house, come in, we have a cup of tea, and we sit down, we agree a contract, sitting in his, his boardroom, basically, at his house. Yeah. Uh, we, we sit down, we, he says, a player I've always wanted to sign, you got a bit of arrogance about you, all the rest of it, I think you'll do well. You know, I went in, uh, hit the ground running again, it was absolutely flying, new deal, and then uh, a, a bad tackle, cost me, with a bad injury, to be honest, but, you know, we got promoted uh, that season. We scored 93rd minute, Jase. Yeah. Get promoted. Uh, it's probably the best way you can ever get promoted. Oh. You know, we was playing Oxford. They needed to win to stay up. We needed to win to go up, and we scored 93rd minute winner. Uh, and then the rest of the night, Eddie took us to certain places, and then I think we ended up in faces. I can't remember much more after that. <laughs> uh, for reward, we all went to Vegas. Eddie again and, and Barry, we all went. We had the opportunity to go and watch the darts. Nobody ever went to a darts match. We, you know, we and all the rest of them. You know, so we ignored all of that. Men's play three games over there. It's 44 degrees. Yeah. They all got binned off. And every night we just went out. It was a Mandalay party. We went out. We had a few drinks. We had a few more drinks. I remember Eddie uh, saying, we'll go to the vodka bar. Turned up 15 minutes later because I had to get some money out. It was this 90% proof vodka. I said, oh, everybody's had their vodka. There's yours. It tipped six or seven into one. I bloody necked that, Jason. I, I thought my head was going to come off. I was looking around the room, see if my head had actually rolled off for the next three hours. <laughs> and, and that's what we did. We went to Vegas. We had, And it was one club I can look back on. I think if I ever managed a football club or if I ever had a group of players or if I ever had a team of players, whether it be now in the school or yes. football team I want it to be like how it was at Lake Norwich because we was we was together you yeah. know the gaffer would make us go out on a Wednesday night uh, Tuesday night sorry into London anybody who didn't go got fined and we'd go out I mean you know you know the little uh, ones what the uh, the pedal around the town oh yeah the yeah yeah the little uh, what they call rickshaws yeah, we'd, we'd have our groups of four and we'd start up in a place we'd have a few drinks and we'd have an end venue Jace. Yeah. and whoever got to that venue last had to pay for the drinks but the thing was, you couldn't pay for your tuk-tukers, so-called. So we would get there, and we would then, you'd see, 15 players sprinting through town, yeah. where everybody had done one off these tuk-tuks, and was trying to get to the venue, making sure they weren't last. Yeah. So that, that was, you know, our team spirit at late night. And then every time we went out on a Tuesday, we never lost a Saturday game. So by the end of it, we was out every Tuesday, winning every Saturday game, and got promoted. And, and I think that's that's part of, you know, there's one thing when you retire from football as a young man, or even if you retire from football after a great career at 38, a lot of players say they don't actually miss the football, the training, they don't miss, um, you know, not even, believe it or not, the matches, the crowds, the, you know, some do yeah. clearly, but but it, uh, most people Dressing miss the, yeah, the, banter, the changing room the and, and it must be difficult. Yeah, that is. It is massively, Jason. I, I never enjoyed my time at Paul Vale. I didn't enjoy the dressing room. I know. I, I just felt there's a lot of players who were selfish, a lot of snakes who wanted to stitch people up. At Lake Orient, we had everything you could wish for. Yeah. You know, the finance committee, we had the players, a group. It didn't matter who you were sharing a room with, you know. We'd, we'd go to dinner, somebody would go back and take everybody's stuff out of the room and just leave it. I'm talking the beds, everything in the all Yeah. You know, we'd go to Vegas, we'd go... End of year trips to Marbella. We was close, and it was it was how a football club should be. And I look back, and I, I love my time there so much, and wished it probably I should have stayed there a bit longer, really. But you know, in terms of a football club, it was a it was a proper football club. It was a proper team, uh, and you'd back any one of your mates to have your back, and and all the rest of it. Like you say, growing up at Wolves, seeing Kitspire, seeing 
Steve said to me, get in the bath with you, you know. Shane, you're getting in the bath now, I'm getting in with you. And I ain't going to tell you what he did in the bath. Oh, flipping heck. Ten seconds later, let me tell you. Oh. Uh, you know, that, that's when the bath, when the bath water was... turns to gravy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, people think you're exaggerating, but you're not. Just, this was just, yeah. you know, I remember driving down to training, taking Scotty Tyler and said, and I think, what are you doing? It stinks of smoke. And they used to get the fag lighters and they'd burn each other as many times as they could oh, between my. there and the training ground. You look back and you think, you get to train, they'd have massive holes in the training tops and big bloody blisters where they burnt each other with the, <laughs> you know, the cigarette lighters. And I'm thinking, Jesus. What, you know, what am just... I walking into? And listen, Shane, what, what, you know, as a young man, like I said, you make your debut at Wolves. And then it is, it is, there is the unglamorous side of football. And, you know, listen, you had a great time at Leighton Orient, you know, but then you're up and down the country. You're chasing the next contract. You're, 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 you're one tackle away from your career being over. That is the, the sad part about it, isn't it? Yeah. And I look back, Jason, I look, if, open and honestly, if somebody said to me now, should I have took the five, six, seven hundred thousand, whatever it should have been? I should have took it, Jace. Yeah, and gone to and, another and club, and then it's all mapped out differently. Well, I want to wear that because that, they'll look back and say, "Oh, he showed a lot of passion. He supported the club growing up, and sh- you know that that was his club, it's every man's dream." Yeah. In life, Jace, loyalty's very far, and you, you don't get much in life, do you? You know, when you look at it, six, seven hundred thousand pounds—that's that's life changing. And I look back and I think, how I was treated by Wolves, really. You know, I had a new contract. It was ripped up and almost cast aside for when I shouldn't have been at times. But hey, you look back and you think you live and learn. But if I if I get offered the money now, and it was my son. I'd look him in the eye and say, "I really think you should take that money." And, and that's sad, really, Jace. That's what football does to you in a, in, a, in a way. It's because it's lovely to come in here. And if you want me to say, "Oh yeah, it was it was amazing," it was amazing. Yes. But if I had the choice again, would I take the money and go and show Arsenal, Blackburn, and other clubs, Villa that I'm a good player and make it? I probably would do, Jace. And it, and you know what? There's a lot to say for that level of honesty because yeah. <laughs> you know what? You flip it round and you think, well, play one game for Wolves, eight minutes in your case, or you know, as it ended because you didn't know it was going to end that way, or half a million quid in the bank. And you know, listen, it's 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 a massive call, and I think you're quite right. If you'd have gone on to play two hundred games for Wolves and then move, you know, move to the Premier League in a couple of seasons, there it's completely different. But when you see your career go the other way, it is almost, um, you know, when when you've got the whole world at your feet, and then, like I said, you can go on a bit of a slope. That is a real, real tough one to take, and especially when you've been hyped up so much. Yeah, and that's not me being bitter, Jess. I'm of so course. grateful. Like I say, an unbelievable time at Wolves. But like you say, if I had the choice, I'd take the money. I'd go to Arsenal, prove I'm a player. I might have had a bit of luck there. I might have had a bit yeah. of luck at Villa. I maybe got a few games. You yeah. know, and you, you make your own luck sometimes in life. And I've been very lucky when I finished playing football. I had an unbelievable life doing, you know, I had a lot of help and support. And got a little bit lucky, maybe, Jace. But, Good. you know, like I say, I, I, I mentioned to you before, I remember going out on a, a night out in faces and probably maybe had a couple of nights out I shouldn't have had really. I remember going in New Year's Day and I've been out New Year's Eve injured. I had this weird uh, occurrence that happened every time over 10 years, Jace, that I was never fit on New Year's Day. Right. I was always injured for some reason. It wasn't intentionally, yeah. but I was always injured. And people used to look at it and think, my friends ring me up, oh, do you want to do something New Year's? You ain't going to be fit anyway, Tuesday, you never are. But it wasn't intentionally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when it faces come back, I remember bloody, there's probably six... Uh, seven group of girls had all come back and I remember it's five o'clock in the morning they're doing a worm you know and 
bloody in your front room and you look back and you think, what was I doing? But I went into the game the next day, the gaffer looked at me, Martin Ling and Dean Smith, and went, good night, Tudor. I went, yeah, it was actually. Uh, <laughs> they knew if I was fit, you know, I was professional, never let anybody down. Yes. Uh, and, you know, that was me. Uh, Eddie Earn pulled me just before I left, late the orienting faces and grabbed hold of me and says, Tudor, you're an unbelievable footballer, but you need to work harder in life. Whatever you do, whether it be football or anything else, you need to work hard. And he grabbed hold of me and looked me in the eyes. And I still remember it, where we was, Jace, all the rest of it. And it, I took note of it that time. And yes. it was something I thought, you know what, I've been, been lazy in life here. You know, I could have tried a little bit harder here, could have done a little bit more. Would my life have been different? Would I have played more games? All the rest of it. Not at Wolves, Jace. I went, nobody could ever say I was lazy at Wolves. But yes. maybe later on when I dropped down... You know, because I could get away with it and I was probably had the ability to play at 80% and still perform. Uh, but he registered then, he grabbed all the main said, look, you need to... Knuckle down. And... Said, you need to fucking work harder in life, whether it be football, you need to get your ass in fucking gear because you could be an unbelievable footballer, but you you can also do well in life besides football, but get your fucking ass in gear. And, and... and he grabbed all the main and, and that was that and he stuck with me for for life and like you say when I left football it's always a scenario you don't work 9 till 5 you work 5 till 9 because yes. that's what brings rewards and and so since football um, and, and since that pep talk from Eddie Hearn what have you actually done because you retired at 26 what have you done since then how old are you now Shane by the way 39 Jace. 39 well, I mean <laughs> the, the, the thing is in you know you, you, really your career should have probably ended three or four years back. That's yeah, the, you yeah. know, but retiring so early. What have you done since then, Shane? Uh, I finished up a degree just as I was finishing uh, playing football, uh, journalism degree. Yes. Which I hated going to uni. I ain't going to lie to you. Yeah. Okay. I don't blame you. Ticking elsewhere, you know, it's, oh, Jesus, I'm going to be here for another. It was a long night, three till nine o'clock. I'm doing short hand, but I got through. Yeah. I wanted to get it done just to, just to show people, Jace, that, it's a degree. It doesn't yes. count for a great deal in life sometimes. It's just a piece of paper and I've learned that. Yeah. Uh, and then I set up a school, you know. It, uh, it spiralled in one direction to another. And we were very lucky, you know. There's another player who I played against a few times and kicked me up in the air, Robin Albert. And yeah. uh, we worked with a local authority uh, with children who was excluded from school. And that was the direction we went in initially. Yeah. Uh, we, we bought a premises. It was an old church. We completely renovated it top to bottom, spent hundreds of thousands on it, turned into a beast box school. Yeah. Uh, brought in new ed teachers, went through Ofsted, first time, outstanding. Like I say, I got two young girls. Didn't cry at the time, Jace, but I got through Ofsted as an outstanding. Uh, broke down. You know, it was, it was amazing. To, amazing to achievement. We built the school and nearly ran out of money, Jace. We was coming, coming here in the night and cleaning up and we was labouring and all the rest of it just to get it done in you yes. know half terms and so on and we got through off there to, and financially it's been unbelievable but the effort and the hard work and what we've put in it's been immense but you know people say to me is it rewarding yeah at times but it's bloody hard work Jace. you know we all i think 90% of our children have got education health and care plans you know there's yes. varied amounts of issues on a day-to-day basis you know and it's, psychologist is there but it's, it's so difficult at times but some of these have had so you know tough lives coming up difficult upbringing. i look back jason i know you've had tough times my brother's very similar to yourself you know in terms of uh what's happened in the past and yes. to a lot of people jace you're you're a, a fantastic ambassador because i look at 
your Instagram and look at what you do and walking the other day with Bully and I think you're an inspiration to me because oh. you're on your phone. Uh, but same as for my brother now, look back and think, wow. Well, do you know what? Guy. Forget anything else in life. You're a good guy, Jess. Oh. The money you've 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 raised and all the rest of it. I'll, I'll go on my phone. I think, yeah, nice guy. <laughs> If I was to go for a drink with someone, I think, yeah, Jace, nice guy to go for a drink. Flipping it. I'll be honest with you, though, mate. I don't yeah. put my hand in my wallet very often at the bar. <laughs> I, mean, I can believe that as well. <laughs> hey. what, what you have raised, unbelievable. Oh, well, well, listen, Shane, you know what? Coming from someone like yourself, that means, that does that does really mean a lot to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely humbled by it. And, you know, I, I think good things happen to good people. And, yeah. listen, when you're 20, I don't mean me, I mean you, by the way, now, because when you're yeah. 26 and it's all and it's very easy for a player to think, do you know what? That's the best years of my life behind me. Yeah. It's gone. I'll never get it back. What do I do next? And you can spiral into something or the wrong things or the wrong paths yeah, or do. Massive. I remember seeing Jolene Lescott's brother. I was, I was actually on a, a date as it was gone a few years back. And uh, Aaron came over to me. He was talking football. He was talking mental health. Mental health is this this word that's suddenly come around, Jace, hasn't it, yes. over the last yes. three years? Mental health. Uh, dark places, whatever word you want to use, it's been around for for decades. Yes, and suddenly it's become a a fancy word, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's acceptable it's now to talk about it's it, been which there is good. Years. And he, he look, I was talking to Aaron, and we was in uh, Piccolino's, I think he was, and he was talking to me about Premier League players, and he said, "Shane, there's that many players now who are on the edge." He said they're addicted to drugs. He said yeah. gambling. He said, and they finish football, and they have no idea what they want to do. He said they go and do a, uh, the coaching, they go and do the Sky, they go and do X, Y, Z and get divorced from their wife. He said, and suddenly everything spirals and says, over the next 10 years, you're going to see some high profile players really having troubled times and sadly not going to be uh, around. Yeah. You know, and you look back in the Morris seat, Jace, I see Lee Binns, who mm. I helped move to the Northampton and other clubs. And like I say, I used to do a little bit I'd help anyone in any way that I could you know yes. whether it be tax returns whether it be moving clubs you know I help Leo and I look back and I think Jesus Christ it, it, unfortunately and uh, it ain't going to be the last one Jason wow. that's where the PFA are a disgrace because if uh, Harry Kane's got a problem it's solved in, in seconds if yeah. somebody in League 1 League 2's got a problem you're talking months and that's the difference it, Premier League players don't need nothing League 1, League 2 do you know they what? They need the open support. And, the, and, and that's why the PFA let down footballers. Not because Premier League players need anything, but they want to be associated with them because it makes them look good and it brings in money. But the people who need the help don't get the help do you know at what? times, Jason. I, I, and that's sad. I'd have to, you know, I, I would have to agree there because, you know, like I said, it, you've turned your life around. You know, you've got injured, yeah. but then you've set up a very, very successful business. You're helping others. You've, you've, you've turned it completely around. Some people don't know what to do. Some people don't get the lucky yeah. breaks. Some people get more bad luck. And what happens is when you spiral into um, into whatever it be, drugs, gambling, alcoholism, whatever, as a young man and, and you know, it must be, you know, to, to reach out to people, like I said, it, it's better than it ever was, but there's still so much more work that needs to be done. And there's there's players it's, out it's there who... It's targeting the right people, Jason. Yeah. The, the, the people who need the help don't get it. Premier League players, they've got everybody, they've got a team around them. They don't even have to change a light bulb, it's done. The players that need it don't get the help, you know. And it's, yeah. Even now, Jason, same for yourself and for everyone. We sit there sometimes and if we've been completely honest, there must be, I'd probably say most players and most people 
I've sat down and contemplated their own life, you know, yeah. at times. You go through tough times with it being playing football or whatever. You think, yes. I can't be doing with this anymore, Jace. It's tough. Yeah. But you have to find a way of getting through it. And with playing football and with other uh, things you do in life, it, you know, you, you're a lot tougher than a lot of people. And But everyone thinks it. I think we're a little, a little bit scared to actually admit it at times. But yeah. we all have tough times in life. But, you know, as I said, the message from Eddie at that time and uh, growing up as a kid and having nothing and yes. seeing a lot of the, the young people who come into my school every day have had ridiculous lives from a young age or even conception as such. Yes. The world owes you nothing, but come on, man, you need to get on in life and actually work hard and appreciate sometimes what you've ever actually got. You yes. Know? And, and yeah, without looking, you know, you could easily look back at your career and think, what if? But you've, like I said, you've completely turned it around and now... You are a regular, as I mentioned earlier, for the Wolves All-Stars. Um, yeah. We've got a match coming up on the 29th at Molyneux. I mean, is it great to get back in the changing room and see the lads and pull the shirt on? And, you know, obviously this time we're very lucky to be playing at Molyneux. D -d 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 I mean, I bet that means so much to you, doesn't it, Shane? Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of them. I've been offered to play a few games recently, Jason. It's one of them. I've got a bit of stick for not playing last Sunday. And uh, I was thinking, oh, I want to play in these games. One game that I really want to play in because yeah. it gives you... A, an escape route from life as well, Jack. You go out there, you think... And that's why, you know, playing football is so amazing, really, because you go out and you, you think of nothing else. Yeah. You're on a pitch, you're running around. I still go out now when we do sports at school and I run around like I'm 15, 16. You know, I'll come back and I think, fuck it, Trudy, you need to sort your life out. You're running around like you're 16. I can't run <laughs> for three days after it. Nothing wrong with that, son. I'm running around, but you, you love it, Jason. and that, that's where it is. Seeing yeah. all the, you know, the players... Going back to Molly, you playing on the pitch again. It's been a while since I played there. Yeah. Seeing yourselves and everybody else, you know, after the times we've had. Yes. Can't wait, Jess. Oh, and where do you live now, Shanks? I don't actually know. Uh, I'm up towards Nantwichway, uh, Old Sager. I'm actually in. I've lived there for. Uh, the last 10, 12 years. Got you, got you, got you, got you. And I take it, obviously, your school's very successful. Is there any aspirations to ever get back into football at any level or capacity? Or has it, has it bit you that many times where you, you, you prefer just going back no, to no, being no, a supporter now? Great life, Jason. I, I, I'm a football geek. You know, I can tell you about this player, that player. I love football. And yeah. to be honest, if I've had the choice now, Jason, to carry on for another five years or to have where I've got now and to go into somebody and be ready-made, yes. I probably would take where I've got now, Jace, because it's yeah. if you finish football and you, you're scratching around. I got lucky. I was unlucky there to finish, but got extremely lucky to, to have a school and to go into a different direction and to, to give me uh, something to wake up in the morning for, you know, and yeah. it's been my life now for the last 10 years or so, whereas if I'd have finished football at 32, 35, I could have been wondering around, what do you do with life, Jace? So, yes. You know, I look back and, you know, see the glass half full uh, scenario. I was lucky that I played for 10 years. I had unbelievable experiences, met some fantastic people who were friends for life. And now I've managed to get a little bit of uh, luck, and which I probably maybe never had playing football. And it's, it's given me a, a sense of direction in life now, which can maybe carry on for uh, a a longer period yes. uh, moving forward and I suppose obviously when you do get injured at 26 and it's all over I suppose then it does force the issue of what are we going to do yeah. next whereas you know if you retire in your late 30s maybe you could be financially set up differently but yeah. you know if you can look back on your career now Shane and you know uh, there's been some great moments some big clubs you know uh, across it uh, what's the moment that you look back on with most pride and um, if it isn't 
you know, uh, well, I was going to say, if it, if it is your debut for, for Wolves, um, you know, is that is that what sort of pride does that give you to know that you've wore that shirt for your hometown club? You've made that debut. What what? How does that sort of make you feel? Unbelievable! I can still remember. Like I said to you, Jason, in the previous walking past the billboard and seeing your, your name on every billboard in uh, in Wolverhampton. You know, I'm walking into the school. Essentially, I'll be daft. That was probably one of my my favourite moments. But to go and sit on the bench. Yeah. Probably not the time I actually made my debut, but to actually sit on the bench, probably I think I was sixteen, Jace. Yeah. Warming up. You know, I think I think I did I think I did twelve miles warming up, Jace. <laughs> you know, I was that excited, just running up and down, up towards you know, then yeah, down the side of the pitch and all the rest of it, just looking on. I was um, a sense of amazement, you know, watching Bully grow up, uh, all the rest of it, and then going and training with him and all the rest of it. He's like life dog any better, you know. No. But sitting on that pitch at sixteen, looking around. 25,000. I'll come on and played against Liverpool, Jason, at 16. I think Lescott come on as well. And uh, imagine playing there's 28,000 people. It was sold out. Coming on playing against Robbie Fowler and all of these players who was back then was legends. You know, I remember walking off the pitch at the end of that game thinking, wow, if this is football, Jesus Christ, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what, Shane? Absolutely. Well, listen... Thank you so much um, for, for agreeing to come on the podcast today. Once again, it was, you know, you were someone I've wanted to interview for a long time. You know, I really appreciate your time today. I really appreciate your honesty in, in speaking quite deeply about certain things. And listen, you, I'll see you on the 29th, but you are welcome on this podcast anytime. Thank you, Jess. Appreciate it. Cheers, Shane.